0: This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation.
1: Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code join me every week as i invite entrepreneurs to share their stories the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way don't be the main bottleneck in your business subscribe now interviews is brought to you by social prize a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. social prize Specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth, hacking. Log on their website, socialprizeprise.me. Hi, thank you for joining. My guest today is Kara Goldin, the founder and CEO of Hint, based in the USA. Hint is best known for its award-winning Hint Water, the leading American unsweetened flavored water. Cara was named EY Entrepreneur of the Year 2017 Northern California and one of InStyle's 2019 Badass 50. One year ago, Cara published her first book titled Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, where she shares real stories about her own fears and doubts the challenges she encountered, and what she did to overcome them to eventually build a business and a life she loves. Hello, Cara. Thank you very oh. much for joining me today.
0: Hello. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here.
1: If I am not mistaken, you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. Is that right?
0: I, I do. I so do.
1: Tell us about your journey bringing you to this accident.
0: Well, I, uh, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because uh, many people have asked me over, uh, over the years if if I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, was I born this way? Was uh, <laughs> Is it in my DNA? And I, I never really thought about being an entrepreneur. I mean, for example, today in many universities, entrepreneurism and entrepreneur courses are kind of a thing, right? There's even majors Mm. around entrepreneurship. That was not the case when I went to school, but I was intrigued by ideas that were new always. And I always wanted to learn a little bit more. My curiosity kind of led me into that direction. Probably the most, uh, non your non kind of entrepreneurial role that I took was my first real job after college in the magazine industry at Time Magazine. And after some experience there, I was recruited out to a, it's funny to think about it this way, but a late stage startup uh, that was called CNN. And CNN was not a what late it is. Stage today, CNN, right. Wow. And, and, <laughs> Uh, Ted Turner was still running around the office and we laughed and, you know, he was a bit crazy Too many. We didn't know whether or not it was going to work or not, yeah. uh, whether or not he was really going to be able to do what he wanted to do. But I think today he would be called a visionary entrepreneur, That's mm. somebody who um, is great at getting people to follow him around an idea that you think would be cool, but nobody really knew whether or not it was going to happen. When I left CNN after a few years, that's when I moved out to San Francisco from New York and I worked, I ended up getting a role with a startup, my first real, real startup early, early stage, which was five guys in a room. Uh, I'll never forget when I was informationally interviewing, the pull for me was that this was an idea, a little known Steve Jobs idea that was inside of Apple that they didn't want to continue with. But these five guys who worked inside of Apple really wanted to continue the company and, and continue the project and turn it into a company. So they did. And when I was, uh, when I reached out, I cold called uh, mm-hmm. when I came to San Francisco, I had been a Steve Jobs fan, had an early iMac when I was in, in college. And, and I think for me, it was about what made me interested in that product? That the design. Uh, you know, many of my friends didn't know who Steve was at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Many people in Silicon Valley did, but it was definitely uh, for for me that was that was that would be a dream job in order to get something at Apple. When I f- stumbled upon this little startup. I thought, well, it's pretty close, and they're doing something kind of interesting. Maybe it'll go back inside Apple eventually. <laughs> uh, but what they were doing was uh, they were taking catalogs, essentially, and putting them onto a disc. And when they heard mm-hmm. that I was working at CNN in New York and trying to really compete against the big guys, the ABCs and the you know big network news stations, they thought, well, do you think you could do this? You could cold call uh, these catalogers, these big retailers, and see if they'd be interested in talking to us. And that's when I ended up uh, saying yes and Mm. jumping in, not really sure whether or not I knew what I was embarking on, but I figured what's the worst that can happen? I might as well just go for it. We were acquired after about a year by a company in the internet space called America Online. And America Online was uh, not the uh, top internet company out there. Um, They were in the space, kind of number three for online services to a couple of others. But again, I didn't sort of have a say in the fact that they were acquiring us. I didn't really know what it meant. All I knew is that I was asked to run this thing called shopping. Now, who wouldn't want to run a thing called shopping, especially, uh, you know, Being a shopper myself, I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, this is great. I I have the best job in the world. I get to go out to all these retailers, some of them known, some of them not known, like Jeff Bezos was a crazy guy starting a company up in Seattle that was selling books online Mm -hmm. and so many stories around that. After seven years, it was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL. And it was at that point when I thought, I've never really taken a break. I wanna take a break, I wanna enjoy my family. And that was when I really started looking at my own health and seeing that there were things that I wanted to change in my health. I had a terrible stomach that I never equated to anything other than uh, that's just the way things are. Mm. Uh, Had uh, terrible adult acne that had developed over the past few years that I didn't even have as a teenager. And I had gained a lot of weight over the mm-hmm. course of many years of working. So I thought, while I'm taking a break, I'm going to get these things under control. And I was shocked by how many ingredients were in one thing that I was, that I was drinking, my Diet Coke. And I was curious about why I actually thought that that was healthier and better for me that it was at the time they hadn't perfected zero calories but it was 10 calories had a lot of ingredients that if it was a food item I probably would have stopped eating it but because right. it was drink and because it said the word diet I was tricked and I was fooled I remember one day thinking I don't think I'm the only one that's fooled by mm. this drink that there are a lot of people globally who think that the word diet equates to health and if I maybe I should just stop drinking it and see what will happen. So two and a half weeks later, I went through essentially a detox and Hmm. 24 pounds lost after two and and a half half weeks. weeks, And just by
1: stopping to a diet Coke. Wow.
0: Crazy. (laughs) And I found like my cravings for, uh, I used to crave in the late afternoon, I would crave a diet Coke, but I would also crave Uh, something sweet. Like I love Mm. to chew gum or uh, candy. I mean, today I really can't even touch gum anymore. It's just, it's amazing how my brain had really been triggered and fooled by, you know, this, the spike and essentially an insulin spike, which again, I had never focused in on. So that was when I really started to believe that I had made the shift in my life that many people didn't Hadn't really thought about. Here I was a smart tech executive who was smart in so many other ways, but just hadn't focused on this issue that I had. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I figured it out. And that's when I really started looking at all the money consumers pay to shop at the right stores and they look at labels. Uh, You know, today we look at organic versus non organic, uh, you know, calories, all of these things. And I thought, what I really need is a way to drink water, to make water not so boring. And so I started Mm. slicing up fruit in my kitchen, not thinking that that would become a company. Uh, Maybe that would be something that I would just continue drinking in my own kitchen. And then when I went to the grocery store that day, I remember thinking it'd be so much easier if there was a ready-made product similar to my diet Coke that I could just purchase rather than buying all the fruit, making sure there's no pesticides, you know, all of the process that I was going through that just took time and energy. And when I looked at the flavored waters, which again, I really hadn't looked at prior because I was, you know, eyeing diet Coke all the time for many, Mm -hmm. many years, everything had a sweetener in it. And when I asked the local uh, person who was stocking the shelves, I said, I just want fruit and water, but no sweeteners in it, no diet sweetener, no sugar. And he said, I, there's not anything like that in the store. Wow. So
1: what, what what year was that?
0: This was 2004. Wow. And I, and I said, gosh, you know, there's this drink called vitamin water, And maybe vitamin water is, is the answer. I was shocked to see that vitamin water not only had many of the same ingredients that my diet Coke had, but at that point, they didn't even have a diet version of vitamin water. It had over 300 calories in it. I would ask friends of mine who drank vitamin water, what makes you purchase it? What makes it number one? It tastes good because sweet tastes good. Mm -hmm. But number two, because it said the word vitamin on it, that Friends were saying that that was the word that they, that w- was tricking them. And, mm-hmm. you know, today I call it, you know, the choice of healthy perception versus healthy reality. And again, it's fooling many people. It's fooling people so badly that many people are creating new diseases um, that have cropped up in the last 20 years because we have this addiction to diet sweeteners. I believe uh, type two diabetes is, is when I started my company in 2005, it's about one to 2% of the population mm-hmm. today in the U S it's 40% of the population has type two diabetes or pre-diabetes. And frankly, what we've seen from the pandemic um, over yeah. the last yeah. 18 months is that, you know, people with these compromised, you know, systems and, very often type two diabetes are the ones that have a really big challenge fighting this virus off. So it's something that I saw so clearly 16 years ago that mm. as I was really digging in a little bit further, um, I didn't have beverage experience. I definitely had work experience, but a totally different industry I was curious and I loved what I was jumping into. I I remember telling a friend that I had developed my own uh, fruit water in my kitchen with no sweeteners in it. And I was gonna try and get it on the shelf uh, at my local stores. And a friend said to me, this is a friend who's in tech, said, uh, you have no experience. How are you gonna do this? And I said, well, I'm, I'm gonna go to the store and I'm just gonna ask questions. And, I remember laughing the entire time while I was sharing mm-hmm. this with a friend because I thought what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I haven't done anything in the in the beverage industry anyway. No one knows me, right? <laughs> I mean, I can just go and be foolish, right? Yeah. And see what will happen and if nothing else maybe I'll be a great guest at a dinner party that I can talk about something I did that I'm, you know, holding my head over. I didn't know whether or not it was going to be successful, but I thought if it was successful, if I could change health, if I could be a consumer advocate that really helps people to get closer to drinking plain water, when I believe that so many people had this addiction to sweet, like I did, that aren't even aware of it, that that would be a really fulfilling situation for me, that it, it was... And so many people have said, again, you worked for these incredible entrepreneurs uh, directly or indirectly, Ted Turner, um, you know, Steve Jobs, Steve Case, all of these people, didn't you know that you were eventually going to start your own thing? And the answer is no, Mm -hmm. I am an accidental entrepreneur. But when I saw a problem in front of me that I believed I had a solution for, I think having those experiences gave me the courage Mm. and recognizing that they were just very normal people that were willing to take a chance and they didn't know whether or not any of their ideas were really going to become reality but without trying without getting up every single day and making a little bit more progress none of it would have come true so i feel very lucky and fortunate to have Mm -hmm. been able to see that Uh, but I think that, and, and in many ways, it demystified sort of, you know, what other entrepreneurs go through that, that, you know, they, they fear it, right. They think I can't start a company. I can't jump from one industry to another. Um, but I think more than anything, it's, it's up to you. It starts and ends with you. If you believe you can't, then you can't. And frankly, that's, that is, uh, you know, what I've seen over and over again.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go a little bit further than you. I've been doing this for since February last year, 2020. I've been talking to maybe so far 100 entrepreneurs. I think entrepreneurship is a calling. You have it or you don't. Uh-huh. You agree?
0: I, I do agree. Uh, but, I, but I think that that calling can come much later
1: yes indeed right?
0: yes and and it doesn't i think so often people think well i wasn't thinking about this when i was 15 years old like other entrepreneurs uh it, it there there's no cookie cutter um situation where you can spot a, an entrepreneur uh mm-hmm. naturally i think it's it it really starts with an idea and yeah. you have to have an idea to actually go solve a problem and i think it even goes further i i interviewed a, a i interview entrepreneurs on my podcast the the kara golden show and one of the entrepreneurs that i had on recently amanda freeman uh she's a serial entrepreneur she's uh most recently has two businesses in new york city uh in the health space and it and when i asked her how did she come up with the idea? She said she didn't come up with the idea. She had visited, I mean, right. And this is, this is true entrepreneurship. She had visited Los Angeles and had seen her most recent project stretched, which uh, basically stretches people. Mm -hmm. And uh, after, you know, a massage and, or uh, excuse me, after a workout, what's better than to be stretched. And she thought if you have a personal trainer, I mean, it's just the best, right. To be able to have somebody do that, but to actually have somebody do that. Sometimes you're just not in the mood for a massage. You actually Mm -hmm. just need somebody to stretch you. And she asked this, uh, this business in Los Angeles, she said, you should come to New York city. She asked multiple times and they said, no, we're really happy just having one location in Los Angeles. And so she started her own stretched. And now I believe she has six locations in New York city. Mm. Um, and so she said, I would rather learn from other entrepreneurs and small businesses that have chosen not to expand because it is a choice. And, and sometimes people just want to have one business, but I think it's just a, a the real point is that, entrepreneurs don't necessarily have to even go start their own idea, right? You can, you can actually expand on an idea because you have ideas about how to commercialize it, make it a little bit different. uh, And that's really what she says she's in the business of doing is finding these ideas. She always uh, reaches out and tries to partner with them in some way. And she said, most of them don't want to, most of Mm -hmm. them want to keep their businesses small and that's fine. uh, But for her, she spots these ideas and and makes them bigger.
1: In uh, fifteen years, like sixteen years now, that you've been to being an entrepreneur, what have you learned about yourself?
0: Somebody was asking me this question yesterday. What what was kind of the thing that I reflect on um, that is that is so key uh, in in learning about myself? I think working in another industry, and again, I was just going, 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 and building, 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 I knew I was a builder. Mm. And so I I knew I was, I had this great idea and I wanted to go and expand it. And I had an idea, I didn't have all 20 steps, but I had about five and I thought I'll start, maybe I'll quit after those five because (laughs) it's just not gonna work and I won't see progress. And then I had to add some more steps along the way. But I still believed that I had to hire people who had mm. experience. And I think that that just goes back to confidence in yourself. And as I always say, I'm, I'm frequently saying it to my team members as well that it's that none of this is brain surgery, right? Mm. It takes resilience, it takes dedication, it takes uh, the ability to. To uh, get exhausted and get back up again, right? It you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to, you know, hear the word no and and keep getting back up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and but I thought that if I hired expensive, experienced people who had been in the industry, who had worked at Pepsi or Coca Cola for years, that they would wave their magic wand and the business would be there right, right. they that they could expand the, the the business and i think what i learned in tech that was very transferable to me ultimately just going out and doing it is that you those early stages those stages that you're going from 0 to 1 million to 1 to 5 to 5 to 10 to from 10 to 50 it's that is something that many experienced people don't know how to do, right? The roadmap mm-hmm. for them is already set and they can actually watch the hamster wheel, maybe a little more than that, but they can watch it go round and round, but they don't know the parts that go into it. And so I think that tech is excellent at going and writing the roadmap and expanding the roadmap and even when I hear the word the, the words, that's impossible. Everyone I worked with at, at, in tech, we would sit there very late at night thinking about things and we would walk away and say, wouldn't it be great, right? The dreamer, if this was this, but no one ever said that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't in the language. It was just, we haven't figured it out yet. Or we would watch other industries and say, Is this similar? So it's, it, it, it really is. I had the ability to be a problem solver. I had the ability and the stamina to be able to sit in a room and think when I knew that the puzzle wasn't going to be solved uh, and not get too frustrated that you, that you ultimately are going to give up. But I instead just thought that someone was going to come in and solve the problem. And that, I think, is, is probably the thing that I've learned most about myself, is that it may take me longer to go and, and figure something out, but there's very little I can't figure out. There's very little I can't learn if I actually dedicate time and thought to it.
1: That's very entrepreneurial.
0: Very mm-hmm. entrepreneurial. And I think most people, it's the same thing. We just get lazy or we're not interested in something i mean there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that i don't know and i think most of those things i'm not interested in right Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to dedicate the time to actually digging in deeper on those on those things but if you really do want to learn something if you really do want to be an expert in something most people can i believe go figure it out
1: i agree so your book um I I repeat the title, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Why did you write it?
0: So the book started really as as my journal. Uh, Mm. Over the years, about six years ago, I was doing a lot of public speaking. I'd been asked for years to come and share my story of starting Hint, uh, not only because Hint has grown significantly, but uh, more than in the early days, it was about how crazy I was that I had left a you know great tech role that I was very uh, recruitable in in tech, uh, but that I had chosen to go and start a beverage. I mean, it, it sounded so <laughs> crazy. But, so you know, in the early days of Hint, if you uh, look, it's such a simple beverage, by the way, <laughs> right? Such a simple beverage, and but so many people would say to me you know, like I gotta, I gotta talk to you. So I, I had an amazing press in the beginning. I've shared this with entrepreneurs because I think people just thought it was so outlandish that I would give up jobs at Google and mm. I would just to go start my own water with fruit in it. And, and again, for me, it was, it was really the, the purpose that drove me, the, the dream of being able to change health for others and and being a consumer advocate that that really drove me more than anything. So through all of those speaking things that I was doing, uh, I started writing notes down Mm -hmm. because people would ask me questions at a lot of these, you know, speaking engagements or even these interviews and how I got through things or, you know, as we talked about before, did I always think about being an entrepreneur? And I think more than anything, I really just started to think about how much the stories that I had that I had told in the past or the journey I had been through, that if I could actually write all of those things down and publish those out to other people then maybe it could actually help a lot more people that maybe weren't sitting in an audience or maybe didn't listen to a podcast. Mm. And it's funny. I I remember a few years ago, I reached out to a friend of mine who's published a few books. And I said, what do you think is the best way to get my notes out? Uh, Is there some place that I could reach out to, to bind my notes? And so that a lot of, entrepreneurs or would be entrepreneurs could be hopefully inspired by my story. And she said, you mean write a book? And I said, (laughs) no, I said, I'm an, I'm a CEO of a company. There's no way I could find time to do that. And when I passed my notes over to her, she said, you have at least one book, Mm. probably two books in Mm. here. And more than anything, you need an editor because nobody's going to Read 600 pages, or most people won't read 600 pages. So you need to, you know, whittle down to a couple hundred pages. Uh, But, you know, I think the the book, the the most satisfying thing about the book for me was it came out. I knew it was going to be a great book for entrepreneurs and, and potentially people who thought about being entrepreneurs, maybe college, university students. But what I didn't realize was that the book has become possibly the pandemic has something to do with this as well, where there's a lot of people kind of rethinking what they're doing every day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if there aren't years left in, in their life, is there, are they really doing what they want to be doing? And I think that this book, people have picked it up from all over the world and have, you know, talked to me about their own fears and reached out to me through social talking about, you know, I've always, I, I had a guy tell me I'm a, you know, top engineer at, at Apple. It's been an amazing experience, but I've always had this idea to launch a drink. And, Mm. you know, it seems funny to me, seems probably funny to you, but he's had it in his mind to go do it. And why won't he actually go take the risk? And I think that that's really the the key message that I get across in the subtitle is that overcoming these doubts and doubters, you're always going to have them. Even when you achieve something, you'll have people who will throw darts at what you're doing, right? Oh, they've made it this far, but they'll never be able to do that. Or uh, you'll never, you should never start because you'll never be able to raise money. You'll, you'll, you know, whatever it is, people will always have their opinions, but mm. it's up to you to go figure out for yourself, whether or not you can do something. And as we talked about earlier, if you don't believe that you can do something, then I don't believe you can. And no one else will either. So the key thing is, is doing what you enjoy doing, uh, still smiling and laughing along the way and having a good time with it. And, uh, being able to, you know i I think really have impact in some way, and that's the that is the key message that I try and send out to entrepreneurs too, that there are many different entrepreneurs if you there's so many problems in in this world. I believe that there are many smart people out there that that should actually if they have an idea to solve some kind of issue, my issue was around sweeteners uh, that will better society in some way then go do it. Go take a try on it. And if nothing else, even if it fails, you'll be a very interesting person to talk to because Mm -hmm. you can share why it failed. And maybe you'll go try something else and bring those learnings to the table as well.
1: I agree with you. Entrepreneurs crave impact. That's Mm -hmm. pretty clear. Are you also saying that entrepreneurs should show that they are vulnerable? And it's it's okay to be vulnerable.
0: Definitely, I think being vulnerable is where you're able to frankly explore so much. I think that one of the things that I learned early on and starting hint was that I there were so much I didn't know, and here mm. I was, you know, very smart in another industry. But things like shelf life of a product, how do you get a higher shelf life? The questions that I was asking early on, again, the industry experts said, you just can't. And I would ask (laughs) one simple question. I would say, why? And I think because I was coming from a different industry and maybe I smiled and said it in the right way. I don't know. But I would say, why? And many people said, you just can't. But other people said, you know, I just don't know. I'm not sure. But I just, I just work at the plant and, and this is what I do every single day. Uh, and that's when I, I thought there are so many things here that are ready for disruption. If people don't actually know why something occurs and they're not taking the time to change it for the better, then maybe I can help. In, in some way. And again, I wasn't in a hurry to get it done. I you know, said, I'm just going to keep working at it. I'm going to keep talking to people, but being vulnerable, showing that I didn't have all the answers, showing that I wasn't the most knowledgeable person in the room. I think in some ways too, thinking back on it, being in tech and, and frankly, I think this is probably something that one experiences as you get older and you sort of go up the ladder and get a higher level role of, of some sort is that you become a manager, you become a mentor. uh, You become, you know, the one with all the answers, the one who signs off on things, but I wanted to be a student again. I wanted to go into an industry where I was not the most knowledgeable person Mm -hmm. in the room. And I kept thinking, Maybe I go back to school. Maybe I go and do something uh, different. I I was always an avid reader. I would always be seeking this learning. But but again, when I walked into an industry, a totally different industry that I I didn't know anything about other than the fact that I drank drinks and that was about it, I just didn't really understand components. And and that's why immersing yourself in an entirely new industry that you're curious about, I think is is also uh, it, it's very satisfying because it's it you have an ability uh, to maybe take some of those learnings that you mm-hmm. have had on your own journey and think differently and ask these questions why um, it can be annoying, nobody knows you anyway, right? so you can just say whatever you want along the way and and you know really hopefully create change
1: i I remember every time. You know i've been i've had mentors in my life i've always enjoyed the moment where i feel stupid <laughs> right. i'm like ah yes
0: <laughs> but a lot of people that. fear that a <laughs>
1: yeah. lot
0: of people want to be you know the know-it-all when you're right when you are it it's such an interesting dynamic right where people feel like the older they get uh they shouldn't ask questions right? Mm -hmm. They, maybe they're the quietest person in the room and, you know, they daydream while these questions are, are coming up. I just think that it's just a huge opportunity to go learn something. Even if I wasn't starting a beverage company, I mean, probably my most interesting friends and many of them are not in the beverage industry. They'll ask me all kinds of questions. They're like, this is probably a stupid question, but, and you know, it's, it, that to me just says there's that spark of curiosity in there. That people want to know why. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's. It doesn't mean that you're uh, going to go start a company around a beverage. But I think people are just curious, and they're curious, and they should be curious. And you should feed your curiosity as humans. I. I, I think somewhere along the way, we just we look for the quick answer and then we stop, versus actually digging in deeper to understand it from our own perspective. And that is, the, that is what I learned by just switching industries. And I, I, I think it's something that I've given a lot of thought about too, that even our education systems, I mean, we, we ask students to go and pick one major. And what I say when I'm on university campuses is how many, most of my friends are not doing what they thought they were gonna be doing when they went to college. It was a great opportunity to go learn something new and maybe master something new in some ways, but continue expanding, continue listening to podcasts, reading, going and starting a company or being curious and asking questions because that's what we need to do in order to keep Mm -hmm. our brain going and and, and really keep our kind of mental health, I think, going to where we're always learning something and we don't get bored. We don't get static. Um, You know, that I think the most unhappy people today that I see are ones that have lost their curiosity, who aren't looking to learn new things. And it's really sad, but I often ask people to, you know, kind of lead a life when they aren't feeling so great of you know, learning every single day, getting up and thinking about one thing that you can learn. And it's amazing just by asking questions and being vulnerable, what you can actually learn in a day.
1: So here's a question for you. What are you the most proud of?
0: I think figuring out what makes me go. And what makes me mm-hmm. happy? When I look around and I see so many people who are not engaged, who are searching, I think for for me, just living a life of always uh, kind of upping the bar and upping, you know, what what we're doing. Always thinking that, you know, people say, "What's next?" you know, for hint. And I, I said, we're, we're still building. I mean, we just, we continue to build. I mean, we're a few hundred million in sales and U.S. sales. We're the largest non-alcoholic beverage in the U.S. today that doesn't have a relationship with big soda companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, you know, there's just so much still to do. So I know that about myself, that I'm okay with continuing to build a puzzle. Uh, and I think unless you sort of get an opportunity to kind of think about yourself versus trying to race to you know some goal or some level which i think so many people think that you know that's the mecca that you know you you become a ceo or you make a lot of money or you live in a certain you buy a house you none of those things are the things that ultimately i think make humans happy it's really the things it's figuring out how do you keep learning and how do you keep engaging and how do you, um, you know, really satisfy, uh, your brain and make sure that, that you're doing what it was meant to do.
1: I concur hundred percent. My podcast is called interviews, cracking the entrepreneurship code. So have you cracked the code?
0: I've cracked it. Uh, but I'm, I'm willing to make more cracks. <laughs> How about
1: that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. How can people follow you?
0: All over social at Kara Golden with an I, and hopefully you'll uh, pick up a copy of the book. It's all over Amazon, all over the world, also on Audible. And uh, it's called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, and hope to hear from you. So thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, thank you very much for being a guest. And thank you all for listening. Follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram for extra tips and knowledge about entrepreneurship. See you next time. Bye-bye.